Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is good to be with you today on the Holy Man podcast. Uh, Pastor Paul here at New Life Church, and uh, we're excited today uh, to be, continue the journey. We're, uh, we've been talking uh, during this semester, uh, looking at the, into the book, uh, The Measure of a Man, 20 Attributes of a Godly Man. Gene Getz wrote that book many years ago, but it's still so good. And, uh, and I've heard so much about the conversations that we're having in life groups, and it's just so powerful uh, to see how guys are being affected by this material that hasn't changed because it came straight out of Scripture. It's what Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus in the books, just helping us as men to grow into godly leadership. Uh, today, I have another guest uh, on the show today, uh, episode 46, if you're keeping track. And uh, I have a great guy. He's one of our life group leaders, uh, relatively new into the life group leaders, only been doing it for about a year or so. Uh, I have, and I'm going to try to get his name correctly, and so all of you guys out there can learn it well. Uh, it's Riley Robertu. How'd I do? You need to talk right into the mic there, uh, Riley, uh, so that the guys can hear you. Uh, Riley, it's good to have you with us on this uh, podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, Riley works with uh, Troy on uh, one of our Thursday night men's life groups that's going on. You and Troy have been doing it together for about, what, a year now that you've been working with Troy? Yeah, a year, year yeah. Two years, maybe? Yeah, I started helping out last year, Okay, partially. Yeah, you've been in the group for a couple of years, but yep. uh, it's great that you stepped in to help Troy with the leadership of that group. And you have a good group of guys. You got a couple of new guys this year, so yeah. uh, it's awesome. Riley, tell the guys so they, they can get to know you a little bit uh, about your, you know, your family and uh, how long you've uh, been, or, or how, what you do for a living, I guess, and how long you've been doing that in your lifetime and what's going on with your life. Okay. Yeah. I've been married to Annika, my wife for 18 years. We, we moved to Gillette around 2011. Okay. We moved here. We have two teenage daughters. They, they both attend the church and they both play volleyball. And so we're, Currently chasing them around right now. They are both tall, so I'm glad they're here. Here they're playing volleyball. Yes. Yep. Uh, together as a family, we like to do camping, some traveling. We like to try to take trips, ride ATVs. We I was going to say, I've seen some pictures on your uh, Facebook page about you, you riding a bunch of ATVs. Yes. Is that a fun thing for you? Yes, we enjoy it. Um, it's a good time to good chance to get out in the, the woods and okay, maybe hike some too. Sometimes yeah. It's hard to get them to want to hike. Right. Um, what do you do we, for a living? For a living, I work at Wyoming Machinery. I, I work on GPS technology for uh, dozers and, and fleet management systems for trucks for the mines. Cool. Yeah. And myself, I've always had a hobby of rock crawling with, my, with a Jeep. And so I've been doing that for 
many years. Rock crawling. Yes. Tell the guys what, because I'm not sure I know what that is. It is taking a built Jeep. Mine's not a stock Jeep. Right. A built Jeep and driving it up a canyon, driving up some waterfalls, climbing over big boulders. All right. So, yeah. All right. That sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, ever have any accidents or uh, have some yeah. some tough situations? Yeah, I've flopped it on its All side right. a couple times. And yeah, it's it comes with the territory. So, How does your wife feel about that? Uh, she likes it. She used to be my photographer. When, does she go with you then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. And I do have it set up. The girls can come with me too. And Yeah. There's some wives out there that probably would not like a, a hobby like that. Uh, a little scary for, for yep. some, but uh, that's awesome. Well, as we get jump into our topic today, again, we've been looking at some of these attributes that uh, Paul shares with Timothy and Titus about how we men should be growing in our faith, uh, some of the things that we should be acquiring as we're walking with God. And the one we're looking at today is the idea of being respectable. Uh, or I, I like how Gene Getz uh, says this in his book. It's the idea of making God's truth in our lives attractive to the people who are watching us in this life. Uh, the Greek word that uh, Paul uses in the, the books of Timothy and Titus, it's the word cosmios. Uh, it's the idea of being respectable, being orderly, being well-behaved. It's like being a good boy uh, is the best way that I can say it. Uh, so, you know, last week, we talked about the the Greek word sophron, which was the idea of being prudent or uh, garnering the wisdom of God that helps us to live a godly life. You know, so when we think about that, the idea of being prudent, the getting the internal wisdom of God, we get that. And it's neat how Paul, when he shares with us with Timothy and Titus, the very next thing we're talking about then is this idea of how do we live that out now? The idea of being well-behaved. So it's God's wisdom causing us to live in a certain way that allows us to live in front of others uh, and be attractive to them. And I think of uh, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about how each of us who are walking with him should be salt and light. Uh, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And so we are uh, trying to live out the life that Christ has us living so that we can draw other people into what God wants us to do. So Riley, as you think about that idea of cosmos or being respectable, why do you think this is listed on a list of attributes for godly men and especially church leaders? Why do you think that's important? Well, I think it it can sway the potential of one to visit a church to Ooh. to speak with someone that goes to church to find out more of why they go to the church. Um, I think it's uh, in not just behavior, but also it opens the door for them to witness. Okay. To them. Um, and, you know, today's world, uh, there's so much, um, so few repercussions for lack of morality, for yeah. low morality, for, for uh, uh, someone you know, treating someone absolutely uh, poorly. And, but then I think it'd be enlightening for someone to see a person that has compassion for others, that cares for others with no, no benefit to themselves. Yeah. You know, and you think about, you know, there's a lot of brokenness in this world. Uh, we see it all over the place in different ways at different times. And if someone is going through just a time of brokenness, if they're lost, if they're hurting, you know, for them to see someone who is respectable and how they live their life, that they're, maybe their life is orderly 
or they have their life put together, at least compared to the person who's broken at the time, uh, you know, if that's attractive, then there's that opportunity, like you said, of being able to say, why don't you come to my church and check things out? If you like what's going on in my life, come see what's helping me to live that life. And so it's a great opportunity for that, for us to live that respectable life. Uh, you know, one of the passages I'm going to have uh, are life groups. And so your Thursday night group is going to have this opportunity, Riley. It's looking into uh, Paul in another place where he's writing a letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. He shares this idea of mimoso. He says it this way. He says, imitate God uh, in everything you do because you are his dear children. And that the, the, again, the Greek word mimoso is that idea of imitating God. It's where we get the word mime. Have you ever seen a mime before Riley? Uh, somebody that has that yep. pain on their face and they're like trying to be the mere image of somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's what Paul's talking about here. It's that exact understanding that we get the idea of mime from. And he's basically saying that as we live our lives as Christians, that we should be miming or be the mere image of Jesus and allow that image to be what people see in our lives. So again, what Paul is doing with Timothy and Titus then with our list of attributes, it's a progression going from us growing in the wisdom of God towards how we live that out, which is imitating God or shining God's light. So being respectable in how we live, uh, live our lives is like Jesus living in the world. Riley, now as you think of this, as you think back through your past a little bit, uh, do you remember anybody that really demonstrated this attribute in front of you, uh, someone who was respectable and orderly in how they lived their life? And what did that look like for you? Yeah, I, I know of a couple individuals. Um, obviously, these are their family members of mine, so I do have good inside information. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> One would be my dad. When I was a teenager, we had friends that, May have had a troubled life or a troubled uh, family, uh, just a, a troubled situation. And my dad would offer them to go fishing to, with us, go hunting with us. And he kind of, he'd always have good humor for that to share with them. And he just, the way he brought them in and he, he did that with other folks too, other adults that had right. troubles in the past too. But he would always do that. Um, the other one would be my, one of my older brothers. He's, okay. he's always had. I guess what I would consider uh, emotional intelligence, just really calm. I've never seen him outburst. Right. He's always, and he's a, he's been married to his high school sweetheart for, I don't know how many years, quite a few years. Right. And, and he's a respected member of his church. He's been involved with the church and he's raised, they've raised three boys that are all men, becoming men of faith. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Those are great examples. And <clears throat> it's always cool when you have those family members that are able to demonstrate to you uh, what it looks like to live as Christ. And so for you to see your dad and your brother interact with other people and share some of those attributes, uh, you know, basically you're bringing up some of the other attributes that we've talked about uh, in how they live their life in front of these people. Mm -hmm. So, so cool. You know, I think back to a, uh, one of the, the coolest stories that I can remember in church life, uh, I was a, a young buck just out of college, and I was helping to lead the youth group in our church. And it was a pretty conservative, traditional church. And uh, so I was at a meeting with a bunch of the mature members of the congregation, and we were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, the business of the church. And 
because I was so used to working with the teenagers, I was wearing my hat. And with that group of people, they had the understanding that when you walked into a church, you respected the church by taking your hat off. And so for me, I, I wasn't even thinking about it, I, but I understood that. My dad had that general understanding. So I had heard about it. It wasn't something new to me. And so I was sitting in that meeting with all these people and I knew that they were looking at me and I wasn't sure at the moment why. And so all of a sudden his name was Ed and Ed was a, a well-respected man in that church. And he walked up to me and I wasn't sure what he was going to do, what he was going to say. And all of a sudden he sat down with me and very quietly when no one else could really hear him, it was just him and I, he shared with me about Paul, you know, I, you're not offending me by wearing your hat, but there might be a couple people here in the crowd that are, don't appreciate you. They, they feel, would feel more respected and you would have more weight with them if you simply took your hat off. Well, I was more than willing to do that, not just because I knew it was the right thing to do because my dad had taught me that. I just forgot it in that moment. But more importantly, it was because of how respectable Ed was in sharing that with me. He, can, he could have come at me with venom. You know, he could have been mad at me and angry and spit fire at me, but he didn't. He came respectful, quietly, and taught me. He shared the sophron, the wisdom that he had garnered in how he then cosmios, how he respectively uh, interacted with me. And man, that just has always stuck with me. Two of his kids or his grandkids were in my youth group. And I always appreciated how he always respected me and lifted me up and encouraged me. And this was just one of those special moments that, that he taught me. He taught me wisdom. And it wasn't just because he taught me to take my hat off. It was more so of how he did it. He respected me in the process. He let you save face. So yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so uh, he, and so I live differently because of what he shared with me. And so it's so cool. Now, the, here's the thing, though. I mean, you shared two examples of church life. You know, of how your dad is a little bit in the church. Your brother is a church leader, mm -hmm. and I just shared a church example. But here's the problem we have to deal with, Riley. This idea of being respectable is not just to be done when we're in the church building, mm -hmm. but instead we're supposed to live this. Paul would say out in front of others that maybe don't know anything about Jesus yet. Uh, one of the things that Pastor Mike and I laugh about regularly around here is when we hear people in the church say, you have to act a certain way. Maybe you can't tell a lie because you're in church or you can't do this certain activity because the pastor's here. <laughs> and so you know, Mike and I just laugh and say, well, you realize that God's out there wherever you are out there in the community. So, you know, as we think about then, Riley, I want you to talk with me and the guys a little bit, generally shed some light on what you see outside the church in different areas of your life and your, your work or sporting events, maybe out when you're on the ATVs with a group of buddies. Uh, you know, for men, where, where are the places that it is more challenging for us to be respectable? Or as Gene Getz says, making Christianity attractive. So where are those harder places in life for us men to, to, to make Jesus attractive? Um, I would say the most, probably the most common, obviously, and it's probably a typical answer would be the workplace. Yeah. I mean, and only because you're, you know, people are battling their emotions. They're on financial strain. They've got, you know, performance issues. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And uh, so kind of life gets in the way and uh, I could see how that could leave, leave, lead some people into, 
behave in the way they do. Um, typically myself, I, I, I'm kind of, kind of hyper attentive to how others might feel in my behavior okay. self, but, but I understand, you know, sometimes, um, you have to give them some grace cause you know, they're, they're going through, who knows what they're going through at this point. Absolutely. And, uh, another one off social venues, bars, casinos, and anything like that for those, you know, it's, that's a tough one because, you know, I, I, I find it's probably best not to put yourself in that position. Right. Cause that you, you just think of that phrase that we all know from TV, what yeah. happens in Vegas stays in yes. Vegas, yep. you know? And so we, we check our, Christianity or our church life at the door when we go into some of those places. And for some people it's work. Yeah. You know, they, you know, the thoughts of I'm going to be a church person when I'm at church, but when I go into my job place, I'm going to live differently mm -hmm. because uh, it, for some people it's because they are, uh, you know, becoming a thermometer. In other words, when they go into a setting like that, whether it's work or some other place, they're changing their temperature based on how other people are interacting yep. with them. So other people and how they live are being the thermostat and changing their temperature. Do you see that sometimes in yeah. how people live? Yep. Yeah. And I, and you can kind of tell it sometimes because they, they may sound a little awkward. You know, you can, some people that I know that have observed you can see when they do use profanity or anything like that, it, it doesn't look comfortable on them. Yeah. They're, yeah. They, they yeah. try to fit in with everybody else, yeah. but you know, and that would be for me, you know, yeah. uh, if I had to li live into some of those dynamics and act a little differently, I would feel uncomfortable because normally around the, our church environment here, the staff, not too many of them get too out of hand that, uh, that I have to experience that. But I can see it. You know, you mentioned the profanity thing there. Let's just go with that a little bit because Gene talks a lot in this chapter about this understanding how, uh, maybe especially for men, but I think it's for some ladies too, mm -hmm. uh, that when we uh, get into certain environments that profanity, uh, uh, colorful metaphors, uh, whatever you want to call them, that those certain words that we know what they are, that they flow out of men's mouths differently when maybe whether it's at work, some of those other places you talked about, they flow a little easier than when they are maybe at the church. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, do you feel that it does give Jesus a, a bad presentation if a Christian man, and especially if people in that environment know he's a churchgoer, do you feel that it does present the gospel maybe poorly if we do go that way? Yeah, I think it, it, it challenges it. It makes, you know, you, you think of the microscope there on sure. or under for that. Um, you know, and I think you'd, you'd have to look at in the situation, you know, or is it uh, an exclamation? Is it during casual conversation? You know, is it, a heated moment, you know, right. um, I guess another thing is I've observed quite a few that will, will use it and then they'll apologize for it mm. right after they, so yeah. they, they do recognize that it's, it's. Especially when they're around certain people yeah. or maybe because they are a Christian, they realize maybe I shouldn't be yeah. talking like this. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I mean, I guess the way I look at it again, I tend to will give to give them some grace because maybe they're becoming who they're meant to be at that point and they're working on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You, know, you know, it all depends how they grew up. I, I grew up in a household where we didn't really uh, use profanity. So I don't, right. it's not too hard for me, but 
Right. But I understand that others. Absolutely. Yeah. And same thing for me. I grew up, my parents, I hardly ever would hear them use profanity, Mm -hmm. but needless to say, when I grown up in the schools, uh, I heard it a lot. Uh, Growing up in, uh, when I went to, started working a job in a local factory, I heard it regularly there. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't that you and I weren't around profanity. I mean, we heard it growing up. It's just part of life. Um, And the funny thing is, if you look in scripture, there's not, it doesn't, in the Ten Commandments, it, it doesn't say anywhere, thou shalt not use this word or that mm-hmm. word. So there's yeah. there's a little gray in there as far as what words are really profanity and what words are not. Uh, for some of us, as we grow in our Christianity, we begin to learn just by hanging out with people who are maybe slightly farther down the journey than what we are. And so we learn from them. They're not using these words. Maybe I shouldn't use these words. Uh, and, and sometimes it's, you know, like you said, sometimes it's in the heat of the moment that they use these words. And Mm -hmm. so it's just, I think it's finding that balance in life and asking the question, why do I have to use that word to get my point across? Mm -hmm. Uh, the guys are going to talk more about this in the, uh, in the life groups a little bit, because they're going to look into this Ephesians passage a little bit. And it talks in there about. Uh, Paul talks about coarse joking or using vulgarity and things like that. So we're going to be able to talk about this a little bit and find out as a group, uh, depending on whether we're farther on the journey of faith or not, how do we use our verbal language, not just the, uh, you know, because our body language is part of communicating as well, but how do we use our verbal language to bring honor and glory to God uh, in different aspects of life? And, uh, you know, can I change the temperature of the room by how I communicate, by how I talk, whether I use colorful metaphors or not. I think we can, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah. What Gene Getz talks a lot about in there, in that chapter about that. And so it's like, it's something I think we need to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we're supposed to be shining light into a certain area, whether it's work, whether it's at our play, out driving ATVs, at your daughter's volleyball games, you know, we have an opportunity to shine light. The question is, what will that light look like? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's something to keep yeah, under consideration. If you, if you think about it, if, if someone observes you in a trying situation and the way you respond to it is respectable, that really is sends it home. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Uh, you know, and so Riley, as, as you look, let me just ask you this in your workplace, what are some other ways that, uh, that maybe you shine light into that workplace by, by making Christianity attractive? Is there any other way that you do Uh, that? Yeah. I mean, there's just, um, manual, maybe helping someone carry something or, you know, just something Pretty minimal manual work, you know, it doesn't really take much for someone to recognize that you're, you're wanting to help them out. Okay. Um, So just helping someone out when, when they need some help. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I mean, another thing is the, the knowledge, sharing some knowledge with someone. Okay. Uh, And again, that, that opens that door. Once you, once you're helping someone and once you're working with them on something, it opens the door that they might ask you some questions maybe, or you, you might, might be able to sneak in a little bit of. Sure. Message in there. Yeah. And, and again, you're bringing in other attributes that we're going to be talking about throughout yeah. this time. Some we've already talked about and others, you know, sharing wisdom with someone, uh, helping them to grow in something, teaching them something. That's something, you know, we're going to be talking about that in, the, in mm-hmm. another week or so here. Yeah. Uh, it, it helps 
to break the ice and mm-hmm. provide possibly the opportunity for you to share the gospel yeah. or invite them to church or something like yeah. that. Something my dad used to teach me was the work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm sure that you've seen that, that you have some people that work hard at work mm-hmm. and then there's people that, uh, let's maybe their work ethic is not as strong, whether they learned it that way or not. Uh, you know, one of the things that pastor Mike and I like to say is a Christian should be one of the best workers at a work site because they're wanting to bring honor and glory to God with their work ethic. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see that in your workplace? Can you tell, do you know anybody in your workplace that's a Christian uh, and and you see that by how they work their job? Not off the top of my head. Okay. But, but I mean, I, I don't, what I do at my work, I'm a little dis, uh, detached from right. everyone else. Sure. I kind of work with uh, some folks from the sites and I do, there is someone from a, the, one of the sites I work with, he's very even keel the way he, he's very well at what, very good at what he does. Right. He, um, I don't ever have an issue with him not knowing what's going on on their end. Right. And, um, and I do know that he's a man of faith and I do, I can tell it. What about at the, uh, sporting events that you go to. You, I mean, you talk about your, your daughters play volleyball. Yep. And so you go to some sporting events. I'm sure you've been to other sporting events as well. Have you ever noticed uh, Christians and how they live their faith at sporting events? Can you tell? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I, you can. I, I've witnessed, I still remember back, it was at the very first church I served and uh, we would go to sporting events. My wife and I would go together and there was this one couple and we knew them because they were parents of another pastor that we knew. And so we thought, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to sit next to them because mm. surely they're going to be good, godly people. Oh, my word. Uh, let's just say that they use some of those colorful metaphors. Those poor referees got reprimanded over and over again by these people. They were just some of the worst fans in how they they did, they were not shining too much light or they were not the salt of the earth in those moments. Uh, it was, and I knew who they were. And so I was thinking that they should be shining light, but they definitely weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever witnessed that in some sporting events? I think at a younger age when I played sports or okay. when, when my brothers were playing sports and yeah, I, I, I know we saw that. Then. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So, yeah. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, that, being at a sporting event can get you wound up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so we have the opportunity in those events to either shine light or not, or to, as Gene says, make uh, our faith attractive to those around us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me, are there any other things that you can be thinking about for the men to maybe to help grow in this area of their life? Um, I guess pointing back to the situations you put yourself into, you know, it, I think it really, really helps for you to take a step back and look and see how you might look to someone that's observing you. Okay. Um, specifically anyone that might be uh, interested in, in how you live your life. And maybe they're like, well, he goes to church. So maybe I should see what, what he's doing. And yeah, if, if, they see you in a place or see you in with a behavior. It's, it's detrimental. No doubt. Uh, you know, Paul writes to the Colossians in uh, chapter six in verses 23 and 24, he says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that 
the master you are serving is Christ. So he's basically talking about these, like these, these moments when you're walking into something to be aware, to have the mindset of walking into those situations that you're doing it for Christ, mm-hmm. that he's your master and that you should act in a way that gives witness that you are working for Christ. And that doesn't matter whether you're going into the bars, going into the casinos, you know, to say that we shouldn't be in those places. Well, Jesus hung out in some crazy places like that. Mm -hmm. So the question is, how do we be the mirror image of Jesus in those situations when we're walking into those places? Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Riley, how hard is it to be respectable in your own household? I mean, we talked about workplaces. We talked about sporting events and things like that. Oh, it's not hard at all. Not hard at all. Yeah. I I don't, you know, I just feel my family, my, my daughters are always going to observe me. You know, they, they do know I, sometimes I'll, I'll get upset or whatever, but it's usually not at them. It's at, inanimate objects working, <laughs> working on my Jeep or, or, or time schedules yeah, or all yeah, those things. Yeah. Just some typical frustrations, but I think, um, for them to see, especially young women to see, uh, a man, how he behaves and, and how he handles adversity yeah. is good. Well, and, and I like to, you know, think about me you know, with my daughters, uh, I'm showing them what kind of man that they should be looking for, uh, you know, as far as a husband in the future. And so what does a respectable future husband look like for your daughters, Riley? Yeah, exactly. I, I think you're, you're wanting to present to them what that looks like so that they don't go looking for somebody that's not like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so being respectable in our home uh, that has its own dynamics, its own interest, because no one knows you better than your wife and your kids. Mm-hmm. And yep. so they know when you're blowing smoke, they know when you're not, and uh, they know when you're being authentic. Yep. And so uh, I think they know you're not perfect. So the fact that you get out of hand, whether it's at Adam, inanimate yeah, audit objects or, uh, you know, the time factor or whatever it might be, they're, they're aware of that. Yeah. You're real. But at the same time, how can we, even in our being real, how can we show them what a respectable husband and dad looks like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. Yeah. Anything else for the guys that you have in this, this one here, Riley? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think yeah. we pretty well covered. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, so guys, it's just, it's a matter of, you know, remembering what Jesus calls us to, to be salt, to be light uh, as we go out into the world uh, so that we draw people. And I like Riley, how you said that in the beginning that, uh, you know, if we are respectable, if we are shining light, then it hopefully is going to be opening the door that someone might ask you about what is, what has you acting the way you do. And it gives you the chance to say, Hey, why don't you come to my church mm-hmm. and, uh, and to check that out. And so it opens the doors. And I think that's huge, whether it's at work, whether it's at play, uh, uh, even in the crazy places that you would think about sharing faith, like a bar, a casino, even there, if we are acting in as Jesus, as our master, if we're being the mirror image of Jesus, in an, even in those places, uh, we have the potential of um, being attractive enough that someone might ask us about, about that. Mm-hmm. Invite us to, uh, we can invite them then to church. 
So Riley, man, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. And thank you for being one of our great men's life group leaders. Uh, keep leading those men to a deeper relationship with Christ. And, uh, and uh, guys, I just want to encourage you all as we continue looking at being the measure of a man that as we are growing these 20 attributes, that uh, you will remember that we don't do this on our own, but instead it's by the power of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. And uh, as we become holy men. <laughs>